Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. An incredible run by the Nigerian nightmare. Oh, it Oh, baby, what a play. This is Jeff Fedoten with Believe in Chiefs on the Believe Network, Kansas City's number one sports podcast network, the only place with a show for every team in KC and more. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? On this week's show, former Kansas City Chiefs offensive lineman Joe Valerio and I break down the Chiefs' impressive win against the 49ers. Joe, I was at the 49ers-Chiefs game, and it was alumni weekend for the 49ers, so the other Joe and Jen were there, Joe and Jen Montana. Yeah, thanks for sharing that picture. It was nice to see the other Joe and Jennifer. That was really nice of you to share that. But no, it, seriously, though, it looked like a lot of fun. That was so cool. Must be a big game for him. And what a cool alumni weekend for Joe. You know, this 49ers-Chiefs uh, rivalry, right? You had the Super Bowl a couple years ago, and then you had this game. So really cool for him. And now now it was kind of like on his turf, right, which was cool. Um which was which was awesome to see but yeah it's been a you know it's obviously the the red and the gold action it just uh must have made for a really nice trip jeff how how was the tell our it, listeners how the trip was yeah it was it was very cool and like you said a weekend for joe montana to came come back and made sense not only because the chief 49ers connection uh but it was also it was this was an alumni weekend they were honoring the 2012 Super Bowl team that Jim Harbaugh coached. So he was back there and it was really fun to see the interaction between Harbaugh and Montana. They were like asking about each other's kids and Montana was telling this recruiting story how um, that Harbaugh tried to recruit one of Joe's kids to Stanford. And so he went over to Montana's house and he, and he had a football and Harbaugh was like, Joe, can you grab the football for me? Just, I want to see your grip. And, and Joe's like, I'm good. He's like, no, Jim wouldn't let up. He's like, no, no, I want to see how you, grip it and just like who cares man but like i think harbaugh is so like you know yeah. no dad i gotta see how this other quarterback uh grips it so um anyhow so it was a very the 49ers had all this going on um it was alumni weekend it was a super bowl uh 54 rematch um they were coming off a loss they just traded for cmc and joe the chiefs just crushed them yeah well i mean in the second half <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's it was, just you know, right. and listen, it's it's That's a two. True. It was you know, a game two, in the first half, and it's it really two, even in the third quarter, but still, yeah, it's a it's a two two half four quarter game. I get it, um, and they won, and they won handily. But that was you know that first that first half was 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 interesting, and it 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 just kind of played right into the things that you and I've been talking about for a really long time about this team, and and I know I still have yet to do the analysis of it, but my gut always tells me that if I were to go back and look at data for, for, for every game that the chiefs have played over the course of the last several years, especially in the Patrick Mahomes era, that the third quarter is their quarter. Like Mm -hmm. it's, it it just, it takes this team time to get going. And I talked about that, you know, on the border patrol today, uh, you know, when, when we, when we recorded on, on, on air there about how, you know, this team just, 
it just it, it takes it takes Eric Bieniemy and and Andy Reid a moment to get um, get things going, right? To learn how to counterpunch. We use the boxing analogy for you know uh, to to, to kind of counterpunch what the other team is doing and what they're putting out there, especially on offense, right? It just seems like it takes this team a long time, some games to get the the rhythm going of how they want the offense to operate against what the defense is giving them. And it seemed like a very typical, uh, you know, it, it seemed very typical in this, in this 49ers game, that that's what was happening that, you know, Eric Bianami and Andy were trying to figure it out. Patrick was trying to figure it out. And then of course, once this offense clicks, it just becomes a fine tuned machine and, you know, you can't stop them. I mean, they were, they were basically unstoppable from, you know, almost halfway through the third quarter, third, through third, the rest third. of the game, they were just on. Un- they were unstoppable. I don't. I don't think you know San Francisco is the best. Def- you know, one of the best defenses, if not the best defense statistically in the league. Like they entered as number one. They're not number one anymore after that. Yeah, game. they entered so, number one. So that you know, that just took the Chiefs a little while to figure it out and get going. Which you know, which is great. It still causes me pause sometimes when I think about that because I you know. You want them to put the pedal to the metal and just get revving sooner so that they don't let teams hang around because, you know, that's what you don't want to do against teams that are maybe a little bit better than the 49ers offensively, right? You can see this, this one, Joe, you talked about the third quarter burst. This one, like we, we talked about the Raiders. They were down 10 nothing, even 17 nothing. I'm like, it's the Raiders. Like the Chiefs will find a way and the Raiders will find a way to screw this up. This one, they were down 10 nothing. I mentioned all the 49ers had going from this weekend. I I thought they were in real trouble. I mean, I I like I thought it did not look good. This is the one that that I I and you know they know it's the third ten point deficit they faced in a game this year, and they won um, each of those games uh, against the Chargers, the Raiders, and the 49ers. It shows what this team uh, how they're, they're such a comeback team. Joe, you make such a good point of them being really uh, getting hot later in the game, not not early in the game. That's been like a trend. Part of my theory, Joe, is I think that defenses throw so much junk at the Chiefs um, that it takes them a little bit to adjust. And Andy Reid and Mahomes are so sh- smart. They eventually do, but I think it takes them a little bit. And uh, tell our listeners what, the, what um, Patrick Mahomes said after the game, the 49ers – threw at him is they were playing a cover four defense. And he said that took him a little time to adjust. Tell the listeners what that means, that cover four. Yeah. I mean, cover four is, is, you know, really you're, you're, you're giving, you're giving the, you're giving the, um, you know, you're given, you're just, you're getting your players spread out. Right. So to speak, uh, you know, as, as much as you can. Right. So, so you're trying to, so you're trying to go four deep, right. So you're bringing your corners back. Right. And you've got your two safeties, you know, so you're you're in a if you were in a typical, you know, four, three defense. Right. Picture that with an outside linebacker, a Mike linebacker and a will linebacker. You got your two corners and, you know, in a very traditional strong safety and a free safety, you know, in cover four, you're you're taking away the deep ball. I mean, you're you're really you're, you're going to rely basically on a four man rush because when you go cover four, it is really, really hard to to um to, to blitz because you don't you don't have any extra players because what you're doing it's sometimes uh defensive coordinators will call it quarters coverage right mm-hmm. so basically your your four deep are in 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 a pretty much a man to man principle 
right? So, so what, so picture your two corners lined up outside and your two safeties lined up in a very traditional, like if the ball was in the middle of the field, they'd be deep on the hashes, right? The two mm-hmm. hashes. So you're just a, like a very traditional four, three defense. So you've got, um, you know, your corners are generally going to, they're going to be pressed up a little bit, right? You're not going to, because then all you would do is just throw the ball to the receivers that are out there, right? So the corners do have to press, but as soon as the ball is snapped, you know, they are basically going to sprint back and you're going to, and you're going to go into basically it's, you know, they're going to stay, they're going to stay man to man with the wide receivers that are lined up most wide. Right. And then you're going to have your safeties are going to line up. So you've got one corner lined up on a wide receiver and you've got one, the other corner lined up on a wide receiver. So picture those two corners out there kind of wide and they're, they're pretty much man to man, except they're going to take those receivers kind of deep. Right. And then you've got your safeties. Probably your strong safety is going to be lined up where the tight end is. Right. So you're going to, you're going to put your bigger, stronger safety, uh, your strong safety, your bigger guy, you're going to put him on the tight end. You're going to put your free safety on another wide receiver that's either lined up, you know, wherever he's lined up. So you've got, you've got, so if you had one receiver to the left with a tight end and you had two receivers to the right, you'd have the the safeties and, and the, and the cornerbacks on them pretty much man to man. But then what you do is to, to, to sort of, um, I guess get in the quarterback's vision, so to speak, is you're going to drop your two outside linebackers and your Mike linebacker, and you're going to drop them into um, you're going to drop them into basically what is a zone. So it's like a three under zone. So the 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 Sam linebacker, the Mike linebacker, and the Will linebacker are going to kind of drop to what the 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 outside linebackers would call like the hook curl zone where you would see like a hook route and then the mike linebacker is going to take the middle of the field underneath right and then and then what that you know what that allows you know allows things to do is is it it does it does allow you to get sort of a bracket um on your on your on your stronger receivers right so if you can um you know you're free and you're free and strong safety basically can you know can double up uh on the um on your on your number one wide receiver right that's that's really the goal which is probably kelsey in the case of the chief in in this particular case yeah i mean just you know just with what the damage he's been able to do and how fast he is you know uh you know allows him to do that so it's you know it's it's a great it's a you know it's a great defense if you want to you know if you want to try to bracket you know your number one receiver get your four, you know, guys, your, your, your deep guys in, in really solid, like a man to man coverage. But the weakness really is, is that underneath zone, right? Cause now you've got linebackers, um, you know, they can get pulled up by play action. Right. So, you know, and the safety can, can get sucked up. You know, if you've got a, if you've got a strong safety who likes to, who likes to play the run, He's going to get caught up in in the wash sometimes on a play action, and it's going to you're going to lose that bracket that you might be able to put on your number one receiver. And you're only you know generally you're only going to get to rush four guys. Very, 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 very hard to to blitz. Um, you know, very hard to blitz because you you know you lose because you got your four you got your safeties in in sort of this man coverage with with a bracket on your on your top receiver. And with the, between the safeties and the corners, and then, you know, what ends up happening is, you know, you, you lose, uh, you lose a lot in, in the middle of the field. Right. And I think that's where the chiefs kind of took advantage of, 
of the 49ers, right? They, there wasn't a lot of, you know, huge deep balls, um, but it really did, you know, it did take away from it. And, and then what they also did too, I think they were really worried about, about, about Bosa. And, and when I went back and watched a lot of the key plays in the game, you know, they basically weren't really blocking Bosa. And, and, and I, and I was figuring that out because when I, when I coached high school football, we ran the option and we were a small school, but we were competing in a big division, right? Mm-hmm. We were the smallest uh, big, that sounds so funny. It's oxymoron, right? We were the smallest big school, but in the big school division, we were the smallest. We were just over the line to get us into in Pennsylvania back then, which was 4A, which is, uh, you know, there was 1A, 2A, 3A and 4A, but we were the smallest 4A school. And so what we would do is, you know, we to compete against bigger schools that had bigger guys on defense, bigger linemen, we ran the triple option. And the way that we blocked the the best defensive player who might be a defensive tackle or defensive end, we would always joke, well, how are you going to block these guys? You're so much smaller than they are. We say, well, we're not going to block them. And that's what you do in the option. You option off the player. If he decides he's going to suck down and tackle the the fullback uh, on the uh, on on the give, right? You you pull the ball as a quarterback, and then you run out to the end. And if the end attacks you as the, as the quarterback, you pitch the ball to the to the to the tailback who's who's flowing behind you. So that's what I think the Chiefs did. They did that with Bosa a couple of times. They didn't block him on that jet sweep. Um, they didn't block him on the screen, the really nice screen that they had. And that's what you do against players that you might be struggling with. You don't block them. You make them make choices. And that's why the RPO is such so effective, right? Because you can get a double team somewhere else. You can single up your best player. Don't try to block them. Just leave them alone and let them make a decision about what they're going to do. So that's, I think that was what the, I think what the chiefs did to combat this number one defense of theirs. Um, and, uh, you know, like I said, the, the biggest, the biggest threat get you know, against this cover four is, is uh, or the threat for the defense is that you know if you're going to be play actioning you're going to put your safety in a really tough pickle because you know they're going to want to play the run and they're going to want to come up and you know get more players into the box to stop the run but then you become vulnerable to the pass especially the underneath you know where the when you flood the underneath zones right because you've got the you've got the uh, you know the the, the deep guys are, are in man. But then you've got, you know, linebackers in in sort of a zone. If you just flood those zones with multiple players, you know, the outside linebacker and the middle linebacker can't cover two people at once in in that kind of underneath zone. So, yeah, it was, you know, it's look, this is the chess game that they play uh, that all the, you know, defensive coordinators try to play against the Chiefs. They're just trying to throw them just anything to, to, to throw at Patrick to get him out of his game. And you just like, you can't, they just, they just, and that's what it probably took the chiefs a little while to read it, right. To figure out how we're going to beat this. And then bam, look what happened once they did. Sure. That is just outstanding analysis. And to confirm what you thought, uh, you know, I did a story on Jarek McKinnon after the game, because it's a nice story that he was a guy who actually used to play on the 49ers. He was with them. He was on the team and he was at that Super Bowl, Super Bowl 54, but he was injured. He had hurt his knee. He was on injured reserve that year, but he was at the game. So he had a little, little extra edge playing against the Niners. And one of the key plays was that Chiefs had a third and 20 and they converted it with a screen. And so I asked him what happened and he said exactly what you said. He said it was a great play call. We used Bosa's aggressiveness against him. 
we knew he was going to come in hard inside. And so we popped outside and it, he said like broke open like the Red Sea. So Joe, you nailed, you nailed it on, on the head there, buddy. Uh, great job breaking that. Well, not bad, not bad for an offensive lineman who operated in a seven yard box for, you know, his whole life. Uh, but, you know, I did learn a little bit about the coverages, uh, in, you know, in my last couple of seasons in Kansas City, you know, I was actually uh, beginning to to take a lot more tight end reps. Um, I would actually work out, you know, with the tight ends uh, at practice at least once a week, um, you know, especially if there was a couple of injuries, you know, it was a couple of games where, you know, I actually believe it or not, one of my starts uh, in the NFL was at tight end. I actually mm -hmm. started a game. We started in a two tight end set and, uh, you know, got onto the card as a starter and, you know, got to got to be announced as a, as a starter for that game because I was, you awesome. know, on the field for the first play. So, yeah, it was really fun. And unfortunately, you know, not to be a downer, but, uh, you know, the injury that I, I received in, in 96 uh, you know, precluded me probably from really making that switch to tight end. You know, the the goal in 1996 was for me to become, you know, the third tight end and and to actually begin to transition my number and and actually start to wear, you know, a number that was an eligible receiver. Always could go back, you know, obviously if if you know some couple of injuries on the offensive line and they needed somebody to come in and and back up or play, you know, on the line, I could certainly do that. It wasn't like I was going to lose those skills, um, but it was it was. But you know, once I got hurt early on in, in preseason, I took no reps yeah. in the in the uh, in the off in the uh, pre in the during training camp at tight end, and I just they, they weren't they weren't going to be able to make that switch. So anyway, long long story long. I, uh, you know, I did, I did start to, you know, pick up on coverages and, and be sitting in tight end meetings and, and work with the quarterbacks on, you know, running routes and things like that. So yeah, it was, it was, it was fun. What number, did you have a number of the eighties in mind that you were going to pick if you, mm. you've gotten that far? Yeah, we really didn't get that far because they, they were thinking maybe uh, because I also, you know, long snap, they were thinking maybe something in the forties, ah, okay. uh, you know, um, and and rather than go with the full blown, you know, eighties. I, I was um, wondering if you were going to end up. That would have been so crazy if you were like, oh, like yeah, I was going to be eighty seven, and then Kelsey yeah. ends up having or something like that. So exactly, that would have been it. Would have been a lot of fun, and uh, it was it was really fun. It was it was a great way to to learn the game and and just kind of expand my football knowledge a little bit by by sitting in other rooms because you know you kind of get really tied into your own position, right? Like I you know I knew everything I. Uh, there's pretty much everything I could learn from having three of the best offensive line coaches the NFL has probably seen in the last, you know, 50 years, right? Howard Mudd, who everybody knows was a legend. Art Shell, you know, geez, you know, the, the, the you know, one of the greatest tackles I'll to ever play it. the game. And, and Alex Gibbs, who some call the greatest offensive lineman, uh, offensive line coach of the generation. So, you know, geez, God, I, I really lucked out um, in, in the kind of tutelage that I got from, um, you know, from, from the line coaches that I was able to be around. And so, yeah, it was a lot of, it was a lot of fun to, uh, you know, to get to expand that a little bit and, and pick up, pick up another position or two. Well, basketball is back and bet online remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news and game trends at bet online. And as your continued source for all sports wagering information, Bet online features live betting, free contests, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports and events, whether that's NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, or even golf. 
Head to BetOnline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards. BetOnline, where the game starts. Uh, well, Joe, I really thought this was the most complete game the Chiefs played, the best they've played all year, and boy, did they um, look good. Uh, we'll break down this game a little bit more, and I, I um, and we'll also get into the uh, Frank Clark situation. Uh, he's going to be suspended two games for um, that possession of, of the firearm. We'll get to that. Um, but, Joe, first I wanted to ask you, well, one of the stories against uh, this game was obviously McCall Hardman, and he was just killing um, the 49ers on those jet sweeps. Why do you think that is? And tell, tell me a little bit what it's like to, to block for a jet sweep when you're a lineman. Oh, you know, it's like a dream when, <laughs> when you get a call like that because what it does, Jeff, is it just stretches the defense, right? You, you're using the whole 50 yards of the field, uh, sideline to sideline, right? You're not just focused on, you know, what, I, what we call – you know, the tackle box, right? Tackle to tackle, right? Seven yards, you know, seven yards wide, you know, and then, you know, you've got, uh, you know, you've got uh, two, three yards, you know, deep, right? This, this box that you have to operate within. And it's just, it's a nightmare in there because, you know, you just, it's so tight and everything is, it's so mushy, right? In there. And then all of a sudden, you know, you, you get all of a sudden you, you got linemen, defensive linemen reacting to something going wide and their whole demeanor changes, right? They're, they're moving faster. They're, they're, they're becoming what I would call air quote weaker, right? Because they're, they're trying to make a play wide, right? If you got a lineman, a defensive lineman or defensive end that's stretching down the field, so much easier to block them than when they're just pounding you straight ahead, right? Uh, when they know the ball is going to be run either off tackle or somewhere in between, and it's just so nice to be able to stretch them out. And it just opens things up, you know. And now that, you know, McColl is, is, seems healthy, uh, it just, it's so nice to be able to stretch the defense out, you know, uh, you know, horizontally, so to speak. We talk about that all the time in the pass game, right? Using the whole field, horizontal stretch pass routes right where you're stretching the field horizontally with with you know the the receivers either flooding a zone and kind of all you know going over to one area and then and then branching out so that you know players if you're you know if you're in a zone you can sit down inside the zone or you know you can if they're in man coverage you can just run receivers off you know horizontally across the field it's no different in the run game you know when you start running jet sweeps like that especially off of some kind of like a, you know, with this, the fakes that they do, right. Cause sometimes they fake the jet sweep and they, they use that as their play action. It just spreads things out. And it's so nice to get defensive players running what I would call sideways. So the next time the chiefs run a jet sweep and you can see it coming, watch how the defensive linemen react. They're going to, they're going to play more sideways than they are straight at you. Right. And the, with the size and athleticism and speed of some of these defensive ends and defensive tackles these days, it's really hard to just pound the whole game. Right. And to try to run it down their throat. So thank goodness they've got, you know, McColl kind of healthy and being able to put this back in the playbook. Because I know it was a big part of what they did when Tyreek was here. And so I'm so happy uh, if I were a lineman, I would have been jumping for joy to say, let's get this ball stretched out. And then what does it do? Jeff, then go back and look. Look what Isaiah Pacheco and Clyde did, 
right? They, you know, I know they both had, you know, a couple of long runs that kind of threw their averages off a little bit or increased their average and, and kind of inflated it. But, you know, the fact that, you know, they had, you know, they were averaging five and a half yards a carry, uh, you know, between them, you know, 75 yards, so to speak, it just, it just tells you right there. If you just went and looked at the stats, you say, wow, McColl had two runs for 14 yards each, right? Av- average, mm-hmm. as long longest was obviously 25. But just the fact that they were running those plays gave Isaiah and Clyde a chance to, you know, be more effective, right? It allows the line to be more effective because you're always thinking in your mind, is the jet sweep coming? And, and, and you know, linebackers are, are not filling the holes as hard. Defensive linemen aren't coming right at you as a lineman. They're kind of thinking, all right, we might have a sweep here. So now we got to stretch this defense out. So really it just affects the whole game. And, and that's what football is, right? It's the variety that you have to have. The Chiefs have always had it in, in the past game. They've had it in the run game when they were able to use the whole field. And I think if they can continue to do this, continually, you know, look at, at RPO options for Patrick, get McColl involved in the sweeps, get out on the corner a little bit, you know, get these, because the screens don't really have the same effect. Now they had obviously the great screen to Jarek McKinnon that got the first down, but at the same time, you know, um, they basically, uh, you know, screens are not the same as stretching with sweeps. You got to get a heavy dose of stretching the ball to the outside to keep them from pinning their ears back and, and coming right at you. Uh, really cool stuff there. Really informative, Joe. Uh, another storyline of this this game, you know, maybe it's his NFC West origins um for Frank Clark when he started with the Seattle Seahawks he seems to just light up when he sees the 49ers he was so good in the Super Bowl against them he had really kind of the, the game ceiling sack and he was that was he was fantastic two sacks including the safety um you know he came on the the Chiefs defense also you mentioned the running game uh really kind of I think Christian McCaffrey gave the the stadium was really buzzing they were applauding going nuts every time he entered the game and he was giving them some juice the Chiefs I think kind of figured him out um in the second half and that second half again is when Frank Clark really exploded Joe the two game suspension for him let's talk about uh how significant that is because you know the Chiefs I really like where they are heading into this by they're pretty healthy I mean Trent McDuffie is out, but he's going to come back imminently. It's not, you know, a super, it's not like a broken leg or a, an ACL. You look at some of the other teams of the division, um, like the Chargers, like the Broncos, they have major losses. We're talking J.C. Jackson, Rashawn Slater, um, Mike Williams, guys like that for maybe the year, Javante Williams. The Chiefs are really in good shape, uh, even with this, Frank Clark thing. So one, do you agree that the chiefs are in pretty good shape health wise and, and tell me about you, you, how you think Frank Clark's going to impact things? Yeah. Well, you know, my first thought when I saw the, you know, the, the breaking news on, on the, uh, on the suspension I was like, well, does the bye week count? Can we get that? Does yeah, that, right, does that right. count? It's like two weeks suspension. I'm like, yeah, the bye week counts, but obviously it's a two game suspension and that's unfortunate. Um, yeah, certainly we're going to miss some. I, you know, I, it, it, it um, as you look at the schedule, I mean, there's maybe, maybe, maybe a time when it could have been a little bit better, 
But at the same time, you know, Titans and Jags, you know, coming off a yeah. of bye week, we know how the Chiefs are coming off of bye weeks. They're going to have a ton of guys healthy and back for the Titans game. So maybe the timing isn't as bad as I think it is. I mean, it would have been terrible to not have him, you know, for the Bills 49ers or the Raiders Bills or any of those two combinations, right? Um, the Bucks Raiders or, you know what I mean? Like if you, if you did things in two game tranches and you thought, well, you know, it would have been tough. I mean, I, I think that between the Titans and the Jags, it's not, Look, no game is a pushover. Every team can play. But if there were two games that I had to bucket together and not have him, these would be the games. Number one, because, you know, the Titans and the Jags are, you know, I mean, Titans are playing better and the record's showing it. You know, I think the Jags are still learning and they're still figuring it out under Doug Peterson. But coming off the bye week and playing those two teams, I, I just have a feeling it's going to be not as big a factor as if it would have been some other two two game chunks so he can get rested up. You know, I think we got, you know, Willie Gay's back, got the bye week. I, I think we're going to be, we'll be just fine. You know, we, 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 we did, they made these moves with Karloftis and, you know, bringing in some guys to get some depth though. So hopefully. Dunlap, yeah. He can, he, he can, he's been playing well for the chiefs. He can, I think he can step in there and be a starter for a couple games. And again, I really think that Chief, now it's a long season. We know that there are going to be injuries that come up. Um, but as of right now, I mean, the Chiefs are really, like I said, Gay is back, McDuffie's coming back from just a hamstring injury. I think they're really in good shape when I'm looking at some of the AFC, the rest of the AFC. I mean, look at the, the Ravens with guys like Dobbins out. And again, I've mentioned the Chargers and the Broncos. Joe, one one last nugget of, of when I that I wanted to share too, it kind of a cool thing in the locker room. And it, it just shows how close these guys are and also how you have to be focused on the game, but you also have to, you know, take just like Joe Montana. We talked, we opened the show with him. He was always good because, you know, he mentioned, oh, look into the cheerleaders. Like he never got too stressed out because because uh, he, he he was such a, I guess, fun loving guy or kept things in perspective. Um, and in the locker room, Chris Jones ran over to Mahomes recently, uh, really excitedly because he's like, oh man, did you see what Russell Westbrook did last night, man? Just how uh, he was shooting. Like that's all he wanted to talk about. I thought that was a real cool moment between them. Yeah, that's awesome. You got to have that, right? You got to have those moments where, where the world is real and things are still going on. And whether it's something fun, you know, uh, you know, like a, you know, like something like that, where it's a sporting event, I'm sure, you know, but maybe, 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 or maybe not some of our chiefs listeners who, who are baseball fans, you know, watching like Jason Kelsey, Travis's brother, you I, know, I knew we were going to get a Phillies reference. Yeah, I had to, <laughs> right. The I... Phillies first time since, two, you know, since 2009, right. They, they, they won the, the national league pennant, but, um, you know, Jason Kelsey, who's Travis's brother, and I know there's probably a lot, a ton of fans in Kansas City that know Jason. He's an absolute hoot. The guy is a riot. Uh, he's a fan favorite here in Philly. He embodies the city. They have adopted him as, 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 as you know, one of their sons, and they just love him. He comes out, you know, the Philly fanatic, who's a very beloved uh, mascot in Major League Baseball, and even, even there's, there's, there's people who aren't even baseball fans that, you know, maybe not even Phillies fans, but they know who the Philly fanatic is. He's just an iconic, uh, you know, major league sports uh, uh, mascot. And, you know, so 
Jason comes out, you know, with his Kelsey jersey on, number 62, a Phillies jersey, of course. And he comes out and he starts, you know, hanging out and just hanging out with the fanatic during the game and just getting the fans all riled up. And, you know, I know he and he and uh, Travis have a podcast that they do. And uh, it's an absolute riot. These two are a hoot together. If anybody, you know, wants to, you know, look into that, but they, they've got a podcast. Now, and it's only if you have enough time, like you should prioritize, if you have a limited time, work is busy. Well, you're listening to our podcast first. Yeah, 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 but yeah, if you I'm have sorry, enough yeah, time, if you've got, it's a rainy day, feel free to also listen to the yes, there you go. <laughs> Good point. Good point, Jeff. But you know, Jeff, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't say, going back to the Christian McCaffrey thing. I mean, look, with just paying respect to like how that all went down, the fact that he did what he did and the impact that he had on that game was absolutely astonishing. Yeah. Right? That he was able to plays. Yeah. I mean, he was in there, right. He, he had eight, you know, he had eight carries, uh, two, two receptions, right. So he actually, you know, touched the ball 10 times, like, and did well. Like he carried the ball for for 38 yards. I mean, 4.8 yards per carry. He had that 12 yard run. You know, he had uh, the the 13 yard catch. Um, he was targeted two other times. I mean, that that's amazing that somebody that could that soon get out and 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 make an impact like that. So I, I think I think it's a feather in the Chiefs cap for you know, for dealing with that. Cause that, that could anything, anything but a distraction. I I a hundred percent. And it, he looked so good early on. I mean, McCaffrey was really impressive, but he, early on he was giving the chiefs trouble and the crowd was really into it. Uh, every time he entered the game. And I think the chiefs adjusted a little bit. He might've thrown, you know, they obviously, they mentioned how they were preparing for him, but, but it's, it is when you don't have tape on him with the Niners, it's a little tougher. And, but I do think they, they clearly adjusted and what was, a great win over a good team who I think is they're three and four, but with McCaffrey in the fold, that's a team that could, could make some playoff noise. Yeah. I, I mean, look, Jeff, it's, it's exciting, right? We we've got, we're five and two, every thought and every, you know, uh, you know, in my mind that, that the chiefs are going to, they're going to beat the Titans. And, you know, I don't think they're coming home after a bye week. I mean, come on. I mean, it's, everything is playing into the chiefs hands to be, you know, six and two, coming out of a bye week coming out of this this vaunted eight game schedule that you know was 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 well documented to being a tough the toughest first half of the schedule so i think chiefs fans should be pretty happy you know with with where things are going knock on wood you know with the relative health of the team where they are where they're coming how they're playing how the offense started to click there against the you know the best defense in the league and it wasn't like they were the best defense in the league after two games i mean they were the best defense in the league after you know six games yeah so it wasn't like they were you know two games in and you know who who can tell who's going to be the best defense after two games i mean it was seven games they had seven games of data you know on on the niners and uh i i, I just feel really good about this team right now especially comparatively to where the rest of the afc is and boy isn't everything really just seemingly lining up for another bills chiefs rematch yes. it's just going to yeah. be a matter of who gets who gets that home field advantage and where the AFC championship is. So really uh, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited about this second air quote, second half of the season coming up. Well, if you enjoy this show presented by bet online, please subscribe. We're available on your favorite directories, iTunes, Spotify, Google play, Stitcher, Luminary, and tune in. Thanks for listening. And we'll be back next week. 
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.